Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Kimberly Tolson, a professor, a writer, and the content creator behind the popular YouTube channel, Tabletop Tolson. Kimberly, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. It is great to have you. I always love having content creators on our show. Uh, it just brings me joy. And not only does it bring me joy, but I, I feel thankful, quite frankly, every time I have a content creator on the show, because it's people like you that really help you know, generate the excitement in the industry, educate in the industry, get people excited about board games, bring more people in. And quite frankly, that's just what helps make this industry bigger and bigger and bigger. So I'll start off by saying thank you for that. I think it's uh, I think it's pretty awesome. Oh, well, I appreciate it. I, I absolutely will second you that since I've joined um, more actively than just uh, as a gamer, I have found just wonderful connections and uh, just inviting, lovely, engaging people um, from all spectrums. So I I hardly uh, cheer you on. <laughs> yeah, this industry is absolutely the best. I, I echo that. People are just so, so nice. And uh, I've yet to interact with literally anybody in the, in the industry that isn't somebody that you would just have a beer with, you know, at the local pub or whatever. Like everyone is just super cool. And uh, even people who would typically be competitors in other industries um, get along great and try to help each other out and encourage yeah. each other on back each other's games is just uh, something that's super awesome to see. So for people that don't know you, uh, so you're listed off the fact that you're an educator in English and humanities at Lewis Clark State College. Mm -hmm. What is that? What does that, what does that do? What's English <laughs> and humanities? Uh, so my main classes or my, my major, uh, coursework that I teach includes, uh, composition. And so I do, I teach a lot of basic writing, uh, hmm. remedial writing, research writing. Um, uh, in the past, I've, I've taught some, what people will call technical writing or business writing for hmm. um, just business communication. And then the humanities aspect of it includes some of my favorite classes are um, art and history of the motion picture. So I love movies. Oh, I love TV. That is cool a huge pop culture fan. Yeah. Uh, so for me, that, that visual medium and the, um, I guess the sharing of, of the history of that is just wonderful. I think it's great. Um, so I'm avid with, with movie watching and, and TV watching. And then I also teach um, literature, uh, more modern literature. And uh, yeah, I just have a really robust uh, academic life that I, I love. And I yeah. just recently um, uh, accepted a full-time position at Lewis Clark State College. And so oh, I'm just really excited, yeah, to to be there full-time and uh, just kind of continue my teaching career. I guess it's been just shy of 15 years I've been teaching. So, wow. So yeah. these different topics you're teaching, so are they, they literally are different, different courses, are they? Or are they kind of tied in together or how does that work? They're all different courses. Mm. And so uh, what I do is I teach um, four classes a semester for fall and uh, spring. Uh, and yeah, I just, uh, I don't know, campus is seven blocks away. I kind <laughs> of live near, we're in a really nice small community. Uh, I think I wrote in my bio at the, um, you know, confluence of the Snake and Clearwater Rivers, which I've never lived this far north or this far west before, mm. and I love it up here. I love the inland um, Pacific Northwest. 
Oh, sounds beautiful. Yeah. How did you get into this? Like, what was your background uh, before you started teaching? Like, is this something that you you took in school? Was it, were you in another industry uh, and you then did kind of transition to teaching or how did that work? I was a very late English bloomer, like in high school. And I love to connect with my students this way because yeah. I did not like English. I read a lot, but I could not write. I was not creative. I, I was, I grew up and I still have this black, white. I have this, it's really concrete sometimes. I've been working on it. I think games really help with that. <laughs> I'll probably bring that up later. Uh, games have gotten me out of my shell and really, you know, pushed my boundaries of what I feel comfortable with. And I've just grown uh, so many, or, or I guess worked on so many of my uh, learning uh, intelligences and styles and strategies uh, uh, with board games. But I, um, uh, just an English major, uh, switched over from architecture. So my whole oh, life wow. I was STEM. I was in, uh, you know, math and science and uh, I went to college and I was like, oh boy, this is, this is tough. And I also realized I, I wasn't doing things I loved. And yeah. my mom would be so happy to hear me say part of what I loved so much was theater and performing. Um, and I wasn't getting to do plays and sing and do all the things that just like made my heart happy. So I switched over to English halfway through my uh, college undergrad. And then I decided I wanted to go to grad school and English, you just go to grad school and you're like, yeah, why not? And how do I pay for grad school? <laughs> ah, become a teaching assistant. Uh, so I got, yeah, I became a TA and I started teaching college at age 23. <laughs> and then never looked back. Yeah. Yeah. It was a real, I mean, I had someone from my high school in my lit class that I was teaching. He was just three years younger than me. And I went, this is so weird. Uh, but I did, I, I took to teaching very quickly. I appreciated it, loved it. It helped pay for my grad school. And then uh, after graduating, we moved out here to Lewiston and I kept teaching. So it's been a, a wonderful career that I stumbled upon uh, later. And even my own field of expertise, I stumbled up upon much later in life than most people would. So it, it always amazes me when you hear these stories. I mean, I start off in, in, in physics when I went to school and then end up you know, found that I wasn't passionate about once I got there. And uh, after a year and a half, I thought, you know what, I'm going to get into business. You know, I, uh, I'd, I'd seem to like that more. You're interacting with people more often, you know, stuck in a lab down in a basement somewhere, you know, so often you have to almost start the journey before you realize where it's going. Right. And oh, uh, definitely. It, it's cool though. When you, when you, when you talk to people that have kind of discovered that journey along the way, the sad part is when you have people that, that don't discover that journey. So they stay on that path and it may not be where their passion or their love is, but they stick with it because they think that that's what they're supposed to do versus what they want to do. So it's cool to kind of hear from someone that's actually, uh, actually got there. So now with the, the, the passion around like theater and things like that, were you doing community theater, like on the side or anything <laughs> like that? Or, uh, it's kind of spotty. I've never, uh, I do, um, started with just you know middle school and high school really wanted yeah. to be in performing arts and so theater I was in the show choir it's where I learned how to dance <laughs> that was a, <laughs> a really scary time uh, I did not I could not dance uh, but then I got better uh, so I did show choir and then just regular choir and in college I really started doing all of these uh, one-act plays and small mm. projects because our campus was so big 
that the entire theater department had a senior project and all the seniors in the theater division, which I was not a part of, um, essentially got to direct their own plays. And then they just had all these students who would just audition and their plays would have like three or four people in it and they would just be essentially one act. And I did tons of those in college. Like every no, semester fun. I was doing these, you know, one act shows then in the round with like, you know, close audience. Yeah. And, I mean, that's where you really, you know, that's find scary. out if you can do it. Yeah, exactly. There's like, you know, no distance between. There's no there. hiding. <laughs> no hiding whatsoever. Uh, and then when I moved up here, I just jumped right into the community theater and I've done, I don't know, however many, like one or two a year uh, since I've been here. I really love um, non-musical comedies. That's okay. my expertise. If I have wow. an expertise, uh, I really do just love speaking. But then if I'm in a musical, I am like a, I'm a background person. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't do, I don't do the lead roles, but yes. And you're doing two of these a year? Uh, well, I mean, pre, pre pandemic. Oh, pre pandemic. Um, yeah. Pre pandemic, yeah, but so, still like, like recently though, it's not like, yeah, yeah wow. three to four month uh, things. And uh, yeah, the last show I did was a really wonderful, um, it's a comedy. It's night of the living dead and <laughs> it's brilliant. It's so funny. It's, it's just so smart. And I know it sounds like it is, there's, you know, zombies, but, and it's based on the, the movie, but things change. And um, the part that I got to play uh, included two people. And so I would come on and off stage as the other person and almost every uh, performance night, someone would be well into act two before they realized those two people were me because cool. of my wigs and because of my performance yeah. and i'm like that's great that's all i want to know is that you thought there were really two actresses and not just me uh so i love the performance i love the wigs and and the characters and certainly you see some of this in your channel too and yeah. that's why I, th I was asking about the theater because when you see uh you know various content uh you know in this industry anyways a lot of it is very serious talking about games you know maybe people who are very uh, dynamic and their explanations and and so forth, but you've taken it a step further, right? So you you mm -hmm. you actually have like little mini like sketches, right? In some of your yeah. videos, and you're using props, and you're in some of them you got a green screen, so you might have like some other environment behind you, or you're you know duplicate yourself. Like there's a number of them. I think it's a character <laughs> named Barb is in, in one of them with the red hair. Yes, Barb is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. So you'll have like uh for people that haven't seen the channel yet, Kimberly will be doing like a there'll be like uh like a little sketch, but she's playing all the characters in the sketch. <laughs> Has a camera switching yeah. angles and stuff like that, which I find yeah. pretty cool. Um, but certainly it's not something I think that most people are probably comfortable with coming in. Like anybody can, I think do explainer videos or, um, you know, do like what I'm doing right now, or we're just, you know, talking and interviewing people. That's something I think just with repetition that you get better at with time, but acting as a character is something I think is a completely different skill set, And that's something that takes uh, some time to really hone. So, I mean, when we were just off air before coming on here, I said, have you done some theater in the back? Cause there's gotta be some theater <laughs> in there. I, I, I gotta believe yeah. it. So so you, you create this YouTube channel. How did that come about? So this has been a, your first episode was April 2020, um, April 10th, 2020. So just over a year, three months. How did, how did this all start? Well, this started as a way, first off, a, a way for me to stay in touch with my friends and my community that I built up over the last 
however many years, I say 15 years was when I started teaching, but that's also when yeah. I really got into the board game industry. Um, it was, uh, we were, Lewis and I were both, my husband and I now, we were both in grad school in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and he got this games magazine. And I was looking in the back and in the classified kind of area where they make yeah. announcements. And I saw this thing and it said, game convention down in Dallas. Now that was only four yeah. hours from Stillwater. And I went, maybe we should go to this convention. And he was like, what? You want to drive? You want to go somewhere? You want to leave the house? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go to this thing. And because he'd introduced games to me. Um, I think our first game um, was, oh, now I can't even think of it. It's, like a it's tan the, or one of these? Or? No, it's it's the two player where you, uh, Lost Cities. Oh my gosh, I, can't okay. think I almost forgot that. That was the very first game you ever played with me. And so I got into games immediately because he introduced those kinds of Euro yeah. style games to me. And so uh, it wound up being Board Game Geek Convention. It was their very oh, first cool. public yeah. convention, which was their third year they put it out. So here we are going to this uh, game convention. And I, I just, I fell in love. I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the industry. And over the years, I've had various jobs uh, demoing for um, you know, Simon or demoing for Asmodee. I worked for yep. Queen Games for a year and that oh, wow. was just a really cool, wonderful experience yep. um, while I was in transition between, um, you know, my degree and, and teaching full time. And so I just love games and my students know that. And so I wanted to connect with people. Um, we had just had the pandemic hit and I felt yeah. like we were really in for a, a long a long wait and a yeah. long distance. And so that was just a big priority priority to me. Um, but I also, unfortunately, um, was laid off from my tenure job. And mm. I thought, oh, this is my job, you know. And so my students said, we're so worried for you. We love you so much. We want you to do things. We want you to like, you know, share your love of things. And then I had a student who said, hey, Miss Olson, you should make a channel. You should do YouTube. And I was like, YouTube? me what are you talking about this is ridiculous it sounded crazy talk to me yeah and um he said no you would be great and you could share all the games and you would just be great just do it and i yeah. thought and thought and thought about it and then i went maybe i can maybe i can do this and then i really just felt like if i'm doing this i want to do things that i love and mm -hmm. so i think you picked up on those aspects of my channel that incorporate just what I want to do, which is have fun and share yeah. the fun of games. So when I have these characters, these are the characters that I've seen and met throughout the years. I mean, all of them are inspired by some aspect of not only myself, but also the gamers and the friends that I go to these conventions to see and to play with and to okay. just catch up with, you know? Does anybody and, recognize themselves? They get a message, someone's like, hey, like a Barb uh, calls you and says, wait a second. Well, Barb is, Barb is my husband, actually. Okay. <laughs> he knows that. He's always the rule instructor and he learns the game yeah. and he teaches it and he's wonderful at it. So um, he, he's Barb and I love Barb. Barb is probably my, my favorite, but my second favorite is Mark. Okay. And I like Mark. Mark was the very first character I put in my, um, my, my uh, tutorial and he did pyramid poker with Barb. So if you want to watch Pyramid Poker, uh, Mark has been in several of them. I find that um, people find him challenging. He's He's got a really high level of energy and he has a high attention to detail and he takes things um, maybe a little bit too personally. And I just love that. I love how like 
just out there. He just bears his, <laughs> his soul <laughs> to the game and just goes in, you know, a hundred percent. And so Mark, uh, Mark is my second favorite character. So some <laughs> of the things, me, but <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, yeah, there are always, some of the times I had to do a double take on a couple of them. I'm like, Oh, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> That's Kimberly. Um, yeah. so what, what are some of the content you cover off? So I know that like yeah. there, there's explainer videos, I've seen a couple, I don't want to call them box opening because you're not necessarily like slicing the Amazon box one, but you're opening up like an actual game and you're explaining the components and so forth. And so we'll call that box yeah. openings, reviews, top fives, top tens. What are some of the other things that you cover off for people that maybe you want to check out your channel? Yeah, I have um, uh, one series that's called Three Things I Like About. And mm -hmm. generally at the end, I add one thing that you might not like. And so depending on what your play style is, depending on what your you know, player group is, um, you might find that that one thing that uh, may not fit is, is really helpful because I think I try to stay positive yeah. um, in my videos. I really think it's important to just generally share what I love. And right now I can do that. So when I, I'm selective. And so when I share things that I love, it's not because I love everything. It's mm -hmm. because I love this thing and I really want to share it with you. So three things I like about uh, helps me focus my uh, review so I can actually tell people specifically, it's got to be, this thing is amazing. That mechanic is awesome. You know, these components are, are, are whatever. So three things I like about, and I also do a this or that where I compare two games and mm -hmm. they're similar in some way. Uh, sometimes it's the same designer. And ultimately, it's my way of presenting both games and then letting the viewer decide, well, which one do they like more? Which one sounds more interesting? Which one is like their lane? Because I might really like one of those games. And generally, I do like one over the other. But yeah. I try not to uh, reveal that in the video because I, I do want to leave it up to other people. And then you also have some uh, videos that are uh, how to play in five minutes, right? Five minutes or less. Yeah. Yeah, I just started that mostly because I want to help instructors a little mm. bit more with the kinds of games that I bring into my classroom. Mm. And the reason I can do these tutorials in five minutes, even with my um, tips or suggestions or takeaways, like I call them, usually they're related to some sort of uh, learning objective. But I have these because uh, they're important to me. I want to use them in my class and they're short. And so yeah. the games I incorporate can be played in a 50 minute class period, or in my case, I usually have a one hour and 15 minute classes. So it means I can develop a little bit more, spend more time, but I use these games in my class and I want other instructors to do the same and be able to access that material and give their students something to watch to prepare for ahead of time. But it's also just great because you can play these games with your friends. I mean, you don't have to teach them or anything. Yeah. Well, good for people that are wanting to play the game themselves, right? That maybe haven't played it so they can learn it. But even to help um, people who are having guests come over, right? Or people coming to game night and they're bringing this game and they need to explain it these are great videos, even for people like that, right? Because everybody's in that situation. Yeah. If you're in the gaming industry, 100%, you are explaining how to play a game to someone at some point, yeah. right? So, and, and that is a, it's a little bit of a skill um, because I, I've had people explain games to me before where they're going for 15 minutes and I still have no idea what the game is about, right? So if you can get it kind of really contained and tight where the person who maybe has not the attention span to sit through a 50 minute explanation can get the core concepts. I think that that's, uh, that's key as well. So you've been backing a lot of Kickstarter. How many games did you own prior to starting your channel versus now? Mm. 
we don't keep track of the number of games that we have and we have a really hard time even finding them uh, sometimes, which is really hard and I, it's embarrassing to some degree. Um, it just recently I was looking for a legacy game and we even keep the legacy games that we play through and eat up even yeah. though they're done. And I couldn't find one of them and I was really upset. Uh, so we don't really know exactly how many I think there's somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000, um, but that's like a range. I'm not that's sure. That's a lot we have... of games. <laughs> and, <We> have... <laughs> and it was a lot of that acquired before you started the channel yeah. or did yeah. you, but did it accelerate since you started this channel, would you say? Um, probably because we haven't been able to sell any or share or donate or um you know make that exchange uh, even so that we're mm -hmm. not actually staying at a stasis i think we are continually growing um we've had we've had a lot for a while um but yes i think with the kickstarters and and just general buying yeah uh, we keep getting more it can become an addiction right like uh yes. <laughs> the number of times i've i've backed a game i actually own games that i never opened right like i got carcassonne yeah. on the shelf behind me and i had to take a picture of it last night i've had that game now for two years i just took the shrinks off last night <laughs> why not because i don't like carcassonne i, I played it uh, but i usually play the digital version on like an xbox or something like that because all the tile everything all the scoring is done automatically yeah. for you right um but i wanted to have the physical game but, you know, as you're collecting and the more games you get, the less time you have to, uh, to play each and every one of them. How do you organize your, like, in some of your, your videos, like, the, it looks like you're going to get injured, right? There's towers of, of, of games kind of surrounding you. Do you have any kind of yeah. alphabetical system or how do, you, how do you organize it? We, Lewis organizes them and I just complain when I can't find where it used to be. <laughs> um because if I went around and organized, I don't know, he's, he's got better um, spatial awareness okay. and he is better with um, reasoning when it comes to uh, just, just fitting things into a, a spot. That's, that's not necessarily one of my skills. I, I try to play at work on that so I can actually see things. Uh, so Lewis was mentioning, we have a friend who comes over and he says, well, I see you too take the tile and like turn it and turn it and turn it and flip it and turn it and turn it and you try to fit it into your thing whatever yeah. it is and he can see immediately like what the outcomes are going to be without yeah. touching it that that's that's the difference so he likes to put things away and then i just um work really hard to find things but there's no alphabetical order we do have shelves dedicated to like our Aaliyah games like all okay. the, you know chinatown and castles of burgundy and macau and things like that but we have another shelf that's just Martin Wallace, but then there's a Martin Wallace that goes down underneath Martin Wallace. <laughs> and he's the only one right now. And we have a queen game section because they're all the same size. They're all squares. Yeah. But that's about it. I think everything else is just where it fits. So it's all just shapes. So that's why you have to remember shapes and colors. That's how I remember games. <laughs> <laughs> there's a method to the madness. Yeah, yeah so, a little bit. So Lewis got you into, into gaming, uh, mm -hmm. you know, 15 years ago when you, when you started. And I've seen him appear in some of the videos, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, Kashgar, we're talking about just before we went on air because he got the different characters and he had his fake beard on and so forth. <laughs> is, is he still kind of take a back seat or is he, are you encouraging him to kind of get on screen more? Um, so what it started with first him joining the channel, because this really was just a labor of my love and attention yeah. and time and 
investment. I just went for it. And he's seen me in the last year and a half. Cause I think I started two months before I actually went live. Cause I needed okay. to have stuff you have to prepare. Yeah. <laughs> so in February was really when I started the channel, but I didn't go live and he wholly gives it up to me because he's like, you put in, you put in so much that I don't want to do. And I, and I don't feel like I just, I just, you know, good job. Um, and then when I started the commercials, those are the really goofy one minute, like you're yeah. talking about Kashgar. I call them tabletop Um, mostly because they began as parodies of mm. the uh, dating uh, commercials. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with <laughs> farmersonly.com. No, I'm in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can watch them online. They are bananas. They're bizarre. And I even made the jingle, which we, uh, he played bass and uh, just lead guitar. And I did yeah. the piano and we sang it. Like it's all just. Uh, well, that was you guys singing that. Okay. That That's awesome. And so I just roped him into the commercials and cause I needed somebody. And usually there was another me that yeah. I found more attractive, which is just ridiculous and goofy. Um, but that started as the farmers only and they've really developed, but that's all original content that the two of us write together. And then we perform and I like that. I've brought him in for live gameplays. We did a terraforming Mars together because we both love it so much. We did all yeah. the expansions and our top 50. That was just a really wonderful um, series to have. And so I think he's just going to come in every now and then for commercials and for um, top lists uh, I'm planning right now for a top, our favorite mechanics and our favorite, uh, you know, games that fit those uh, particular mechanics. And so uh, I'm excited to have him for um, things here and there, but he's very, very happy doing spot jobs. <laughs> How long does it take you to create? So if, and I always love asking this question of content creators because it helps our audience, I think, understand. When you do a video, how long does it take to put that together? It depends. So if I have a video with a barb yeah. from start where I do my, um, this is how you play. Uh, and I have, let's say three or four characters, every character I add adds another shot setup and mm -hmm. another costume because it's all different. So when I write it, it takes me several hours to write and revise, and then I have to film it. And that usually takes me about three hours to film it. And then when I edit, that takes me sometimes days, but not the full day, just it takes me yeah. days to get it done. So I usually uh, do a barb every now and then because it is so much time, a lot of work, particularly because of the writing. Same with the tabletop Tulsa commercials. Those are original written content. If I want to do a review or a top five, uh, usually it takes me about an hour or two to take pictures of the games so I can have close-up cutaways. And then to do the actual delivery of content uh, not as much time. So that's like the least amount of time is me actually talking in front of the camera. Do you <laughs> write down those ones else. or do you wing those ones? Um, I organize them. I know what I'm mm. going to say and I know what game I'm going to do in what order. But Your then touch points kind of mapped out, but then points. the actual I don't dialogue. Script those. Got it. But yeah, still, again, by the time you edit <laughs> them, and it, it's exactly. hours upon hours. It is and hours upon hours. One thing I was really... Um, surprised when I, when I first saw your channel and I went back to that first episode in, uh, you know, in April of 2020, yeah. most content creators, when you go back to their first episode, it's a lot rougher and you can kind of see it evolve as it goes along. And I know there's been some evolution in your channel, but the quality of the video has been very good right from the start. 
and, and editing and so forth. Is this something you had experience in prior to doing the channel? Just, uh, you know, recording and, uh, you know, being in front of camera and so forth? So I had experience in front of the camera. Yeah. Uh, since we came up to uh, Idaho, I was able to work with a filmmaker in town okay. for several years. And I got to just simply act, which was great. I got to do some practice in front of the camera. And I had a couple um, small gigs and, you know, TV movie bits up in Spokane. I got to be on, um, uh, what is it? Z Nation. I was a zombie in oh, like cool. a real TV show. I know. Anyway, I was on screen <laughs> for like this much time and I yeah. looked atrocious. I looked yeah. like a real zombie. So those experiences helped me feel really comfortable in front of the lens because yeah. I went from theater to film. And the first time I was on like a set and the first time I was in front of the camera, it was just, it was just, oh, it was, it does, you don't transfer naturally from theater to film. It no. just doesn't work. So I think those years of me working through that helped so much, but the technical aspects, yeah, zero. I, I had to watch so many tutorials and I had to get so much advice on what to buy, what looks good, how to get just like one good quality this and yeah. how to <laughs> do things and just work my way through how to edit. My first edited video was really bad. I, I redid it. Oh, did you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It That's was a great... all out of focus. Oh, <laughs> it was terrible. That's a great thing about YouTube though, right? So as a content creator, you're able to create content to help people in the in the board game industry, right? You want to learn about board games. But there's yeah. so much content out there for even for content creators, right? So people looking yeah. to create content, there are more than enough resources online for free. They will teach you step-by-step step how to do a lot of this stuff. Yeah. You just have to be willing to go and do, you know, do the, the research, right? And you'll find the answers oh, so right there. Time. Yeah, absolutely though. But it was super, super helpful. And from going from the idea that making a YouTube channel was out of my scope of um, the, just reach, I, I just couldn't do it. I didn't think I, I could to now, like a year and a half later, feeling just really happy and excited to, to do it and be here. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm amazed. I really am. So it, it's possible for, for just about anybody to give it a, give it a go. What's one piece of advice you'd have <laughs> for content creators out there that are looking to get into this gig? What's one thing that you wish you had known when you first started? I think something I have to remind myself of regularly because I'm tough on myself. I yeah. don't appreciate, I, I, I don't like being evaluated because I'm worried it's going to be bad. You know, like that, that's the kind of student in me as a teacher, I'm always wanting to be like the best student. And so when I'm not, or I fall short, then I kind of like, just give myself a, a tough time. But I think I have to remind myself that every video you make needs to be something that you're proud to put out. Yeah. And it's not because of like, I mean, we mentioned earlier, it's not just because everybody else is putting out content for that video. It's not because um, somebody, uh, nobody's paying me to do anything at this point. So mm -hmm. whatever I put out is what I want to share. It's what I love. And so if I'm pleased with the content and the message I'm putting out there, then I, I can't, I can't go wrong. Now I can always get better at things, yeah. um, you know, but, but I think just be true to yourself. <laughs> I think it's, it, it, you know, it sounds cliche, but I think it's great advice. Does, you know, know, when you, when you talk to 
a lot of the people that have made it big, right? In terms of, uh, you know, subscribers and so forth. And every single one will say the same thing is that too many times they see people trying to emulate other people versus just try to just do their own thing, right? And stay true to your thing. Eventually to click, just make sure the quality is good. And, uh, you know, you, you, you're putting your love into it. It'll click, right? Um, that is a better path than just trying to emulate somebody else. Cause at least you're bringing something new for people to consume. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what the industry needs to see. And that's one of the things I love about your channel. There's a lot of stuff on there that is kind of different that you don't see on other people's, uh, channels. Right. So there's a little bit of something in there for everybody, which I think is a lot of fun. You've invested in a lot of Kickstarters. What's one thing you would maybe recommend to somebody who's putting a campaign out there that, uh, that they should consider when they're, when they're doing their campaign? I've seen a lot of suggestions for people starting Kickstarter. I'm going to forget his name right now. Um, um, but I get, I get a lot of um, kind of industry content about how to, you know, design board games, which mm. I've dabbled in. I've never actually yeah. put something out there, but I've, I've designed a game or two and Lewis and I have really planned some things together, but it's, it's kind of always just in that nebulous state. Yeah. Um, and I think the best thing is probably make it easy and make it fun. Um, sometimes things get so, um, you know, con convoluted and complex and yeah. there's all these add-ons and then there's, I, I don't know. I just, I want something that looks good and that I can, you know, back and believe in and then hear from you but not like all the time. I don't know. This is kind yeah. of rambling now. I, I'm no, thinking about no, like the Kickstarter uh, campaigns that really work for me. And I, I think would, it's the ones that kind of hit this the, the middle spot, right? Yeah, I echo that because uh, I can think of two exact examples of what you just said there. One, uh, there's a campaign recently I saw where it was a it was a fun looking game, but as I was going through the page, there was so much going on, and I'm like, none of this is net. Like, why is this have even have an expansion? Like, the, there's all these extra, you know, and you invest this, and there's these other expansions. Just give us the core game, you know, and that mm -hmm. and that campaign, uh, I don't think it funded. And I think the problem is sometimes if if there's too much going on, people kind of hop back out and they're like, oh, I'm not really sure these people really know what they're even trying to put forward themselves, right? They're just trying to do everything. On, and then in terms of the advice of uh, not communicating too much, um, this is another example of <laughs> there's a campaign I recently backed. I'm not going to say which one, but there's got to be an email coming like every few days. And I'm just like, please stop. Right. And so I don't even read them. And then finally, a, an update went out that said, um, please, please, please read our most recent update because this one is actually really important. We really need you to act on it. It's like, well, how about you just send us updates when they're yeah. important? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because you, it's like the boy that cried, little boy that cried wolf. Now, like people see updates coming out, they just ignore them because they assume it's just, here's what we did yeah. last week. And here's some other cool things happening that has absolutely zero to do with the game. So that's one of my personal pet peeves. So it's, I'm okay, glad to hear good. someone else actually uh, echo that. Yeah. Where, where are you going from here? What, what, where does this channel evolve to? Are you looking at doing multiple channels? Are you going to get into other mediums, get into game design? You mentioned a little bit of game design. Kind of where does Tabletop Tolson go from here? So I have seen uh, a steady increase in support and subscribers. And that's mm -hmm. really encouraging to me. I didn't, I didn't know when I would kind of get these, you know, milestones, but yeah. it's, it's just so wonderful. So 
I feel like I've met some people. I don't, I don't know them face to face and I haven't actually spoken with them, but I've had several um, educators and um, just the fans of the channel who write me and who are just always writing in the comments. And I, I I find that connection to be really rewarding. And so I see just continuing with this channel. I do want to mostly stay on that platform. Uh, I'm, I'm not on social media, really. Uh, I'm on Facebook, um, but that's the only one. And so I don't do other platforms right now. And so I'm not going to branch out um, to other uh, forms, but I really do want to cultivate what I have with Tabletop Tolson on YouTube. And I've recently um, really gotten into the kind of blog feature of it. I Mm. I find this kind of all-inclusive and I like the opportunities for um, different kinds of streaming and or recorded content. So I do want to stay there and I just want to grow and continue to share my educational content with other instructors to share my silly, goofy sketches and skits with people who appreciate board game comedy. <laughs> it's not it's not necessarily comedy gold, but it's comedy. Uh, <laughs> and just uh, my, my level of um, love and joy for board gaming. Oh, it's awesome. So if people want to follow this channel, so how do they find your actual YouTube channel? It's uh, just YouTube and you do backslash, you type in tabletop Tolson, or you just do a YouTube search. You'll find me. I'll pop right up there. And that's spelled T O L S O N for Tolson, right? Yeah. And then if there's any publishers out there that want to collaborate or or reach out to you, is that something that you're open to? If if there's a publisher that has something they they kind of want to collaborate on or want to get some of your talents on, is that something that you would entertain or? Absolutely. I have an email. It's just tabletoptolson at gmail.com. And any, um, you know, small publisher or large publisher, independent company, or even other educators, please feel free to contact me there. I would love to hear from you and I will um, write you back as soon as I can. Well, that's awesome. Kimberly, I want to thank you so much for coming on this podcast. <laughs> it's just been an absolute joy talking to you. I love your channel. Can't wait to see uh, where it goes from here and uh, continue watching the growth. Thank you so much for having me. You take care. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.